I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Walking down the streets, I look alive. No one knows what's going on inside. So much I cannot do. Just want to be more like you. Does it even pay to try? Mm-hmm. I know when billion stars come out at night, each one with their own purpose, their own light. Those stars are just like me, each their own identity. It's all in my state of mind.
Bye-bye. 
shir chadash, a brand new song. Shiru lo shir chadash, everybody sing along. Asa shiru tashiru. Jam in the AM, it's Benny Friedman. Tashiru is the uh, opener to his latest album here at Jam in the AM. Good morning, it's Friday on this January the 24th, day 27 in the month of Teves, the year 5780, it's Tufshin Pei. On this era of Shabbos Parshas Ve'era, candlelighting in New York at 443, 443. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh is Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh Shvat is Monday. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is on Monday. You heard Matt Dub with AFO, Aish done by Yaakov Shweki, Mordechai Ben David, and Od Yeshvu. I love pulling that one out every once in a while. <laughs> Did it yesterday? Did it again today? Um, the YU Maccabees with Draw Yikra. Draw Yikra done by Lev Yatan, Mordechai Shapiro's One in a Million, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. JM and the AM Friday, weekly update coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time. 7.40 Eastern Time, weekly update here at uh, JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us. And uh, we'll get an opportunity to uh, you know go through the events of the week, of the last couple of weeks. There's a lot going on. Yesterday in Israel was a fascinating day, I thought. So we'll do all of that 7.40 Eastern time this morning here at JM in the AM. 37 degrees, 72% humidity, winds are east at 2 miles an hour. Partly cloudy in New York with a high of 52. Then tonight, mostly cloudy, low 39. Tomorrow looks like a rainy Shabbos with a high of 51 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 41. We're at 37 right now as we say good morning at uh, JM in the AM. Um... If you haven't yet voted in the uh, World Zionist Congress election, remember I am uh, honored to be part of slate number four. Slate number four, go to voteoic.org, voteoic.org to participate. Anybody who is uh, 18 and over uh, by June of 2020 is uh, allowed to participate, and I hope you would spend the $7.50 or $5 for students uh, to participate in this very important election. Again, we are slate number four uh, with our friends at the Mizrahi on the uh, on the ballot. So voteoic.org, voteoic.org. And believe you me, we'll talk plenty about it between now and the 11th of March when the, when the voting ends. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, so again, voteoic.org. Um, a full day here on the network, as you would suspect, including Naomi Nachman coming up with Table for Two. She'll speak with bartender and singer David Babinet and overtime cook Miriam Pascal, author of More Real Life Kosher Cooking. The Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, starts at 10 a.m. At 1 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, 
That'll be happening at the 1 Eastern time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. That begins uh, tomorrow night at, uh, at 9 p.m. And, of course, Sunday morning, Matis, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Matis will have a JM Sunday, uh, which you will uh, you'll find fascinating, entertaining, and uh, and consistent, because he has been the host of JM Sunday every single Sunday for years, and he just keeps going and going and going. Baruch Hashem. So make sure to be tuned in and uh, and enjoy. Um, all right, more coming up. It's JM in the AM with Barry Weber.
Shabbos Kodesh, he wanders on in. Stands in the back as the tefillos begin. The mystical words of Lecha Daidi. There's something about that sweet melody. Invited for dinner, Zemiros they sing. Infusing his soul with the joy that they bring. Closing his eyes, his heart starts to soar. Perhaps we can sing that sweet song once more. Ramallah's my home, but inside I feel torn. I was taught to hate Jews, to hurt and to maim, but I felt a connection I could not explain. With anger and fury thrown out of my home, confused and forsaken, I left there alone. But I feel something strange here, his voice fills the room, and over and over he To say my goodbyes She told me the truth With tears in her eyes I was taken by force We're Jewish, now run Here's a picture to treasure It's where you come from They gathered and stared At the photo he held An image of his grandfather's grave It beheld Rab Shloyma His cave in Svav who wrote Lecha Daidi, we sing Lel Shabbos.
Oh, yeah. 
America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and NahumSingle.com, and the NahumSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Whew, I was wondering if we'd get to our news from Israel or if I'd uh, mess that up. Looks like we have it in the background. Yaakov Shweki with Rufu Shlema, Lechadadi from Baruch Levine, Shalom Lemmer and Uvyoma Shabbos, Yismachu from MBD. Yismach Moshe from Yankee Lemmer. News from Israel next. Shalom Rav, Khan El Azar Ben Lolo, Ima Shekorea Shav. שחרורה של נעמה יסחר מתעכב משום שטרם הוגשה בקשת חנינה רשמית כך לדברי דובר הקרמלין אין אפשרות להעניק לאיססחר הכלואה ברוסיה מאז אפריל בשנה שעברה חנינה נשיאותית מבלי שהוגשה בקשה רשמית לחונותה כתבת חדשות החוץ נועמועה למזכירה כי אתמול דן ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו עם נשיא רוסיה פוטין בשחרורה של איססחר בתום הפגישה הבטיח פוטין הכל יהיה בסדר בכחול לבן נוטים לסרב להצעה האמריקנית להגיע ביום שלישי לוושינגטון, מאחר וסבורים כי מדובר בתרגיל פוליטי שנועד לשרת את נתניהו בבחירות. לגבי שאלת קיום הדיון בכנסת להקמת הוועדה שתדון בחסינות נתניהו, ישנה תמימות דעים לפיה יש לקיים את הדיון למרות הפגישה בבית הלבן. גורם בכחול לבן אמר כי אין שום סיבה לדחות את הדיון, מאחר ומדובר בדיון טכני לצורך הקמת ועדה. דיה שהעביר כתב התחום הפוליטי יניר קוזין. צרור בלונים עם מטען חשוד זוהה בשטחים החקלאיים של קיבוץ במועצה האזורית שער הנגב. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר כי חבלן משטרה הגיע למקום כדי לבודד את המטען ולהרחיקו. השייח' אכרם סברי שהורחק מהר הבית בגלל הסתה הפר את צו ההרחקה שהוטל עליו. סברי, שהיה בעבר המופתי של ירושלים, ונחשב אחד מאנשי הדת הבולטים והמסיתים נגד ישראל, עלה לפני כשעה להר יחד עם תומכים רבים. במהלך היום עלו להר מוסלמים רבים בין השאר במחאה על הרחקתו של השייח, מה שגרם למשטרה לפזר את ההמון בשעות הבוקר. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו בבירה, יובל שגב. מזג האוויר גשמים ימשיכו לרדת ברחבי הארץ וייפסקו לקראת שעות הצהריים. קיים חשש שיטפונות בנחלי הדרום והמזרח. מחר תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, אך עדיין צפוי להיות קר מהרגיל לעונה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת ואירע, שבת מברכים לחודש שבט. בירושלים בארבע וחצי, בתל אביב בארבע ארבעים וארבע, בחיפה בארבע שלושים וארבע, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע ארבעים ושמונה. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים ברבע לשש, בתל אביב בחמש ארבעים ושש, בחיפה בחמש ארבעים וארבע, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש ארבעים ושמונה. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות. Uh, for par- Erev Shabbos, Parshat Va'era, Shabbat Mevarachim, Chodesh Shvat. Unbelievable. Sometimes we have to remember what we have. We have an incredible state of Israel with, uh, with radio stations that are talking about Birkat HaChodesh and Erev Shabbat and the Parshat HaShavua. And that's the radio stations that don't concentrate on the, on the Jewish stuff, so to speak. Really amazing. Anyway, before our news, we had Yaakov Shweki with Rufur Shlema from Live in Israel, Volume 2, Baruch Levine and Lachad Dodi, Uvyom with Shulam Lemmer, Mordechai Ben David with Had Yismechu, 
Yismach Moshe done by Yankee Lemmer, Barry Weber with Vishomri, as he puts it, uh, to open up that set here at JM in the AM. My name is Nachum Siegel. Good morning. It's Friday. We're live from our New York City studios just after 7 a.m. here in the East, just after 4 a.m. in the West, and just after 2 p.m. in the Holy Land, where I hope uh, everyone is getting ready for an amazing and incredible Shabbos over in Israel. And I thank you for tuning us in. Don't forget, you can comment on the app and be in touch with us through the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Bakery Guy just commented. He says, good morning, TGIF. Have a great Shabbos to you as well, Bakery Guy. Always nice to hear from you. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us coming up. 7.40 Eastern Time, just 35 minutes from now. Again, Malcolm Holmline with the weekly update. He'll join us coming up here at JM in the AM, so make sure to be tuned in. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. <clears throat> so he'll be coming up at the 7.40. Rabbi Yudin on Parshas Vaera at 8.15. We'll wrap up the week for JM in the AM at 9 a.m. And then, of course, Naomi Nachman and Table for Two, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That starts at 10 a.m. Lots going on all day long. Make sure to keep it on NSN, on the Nahum Single Network. In fact, all day long. If you haven't voted yet in the uh, World Zionist Congress um, election, make sure to vote slate number four. That's the one that we're on, slate number four. Go to voteoic.org, voteoic.org, and participate uh, by registering and voting. Again, that's vote. Uh, OIC.org. All the information is there. Pay the few dollars, register, vote, and um, and have your voice heard in what is a very important election every five years. Yehuda is next. You're listening to JM in the AM.
החדש הזה, כנראה הוא הסופי חוצה, וישום הבית הזה, כהן ששון וכהן שמחו, יהי החודש הזה, כנראה הוא הסופי חוצה, וישום הבית הזה, כהן ששון וכהן שמחו. Thank <laughs> you. 
set of music, huh? Woo! That was a good one. That was a good one. The C10 is brand new from uh, Mordechai Shapiro here at JM in the AM. Uh, Dove Hendler and Levi Folkowitz before that with their versions of Yehia Chodesh as we bench Chodesh tomorrow. Birchas Chodesh from Yehuda Green, Birchas Chodesh from Leif Tahor, and Yichad Sheu words from Birchas Chodesh from Yehuda uh, here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos Parshas Vaera. Candlelighting in New York, 443. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is Monday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is Monday. 37 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high of 52 here at JM in the AM. And, um, yeah. 
That was a good set of music. Hey, make your plans for the weekend and make sure they include the Yeshiva University men's basketball team. Tomorrow night, YU, the Maccabees, go for 14 in a row. Could you imagine that? They're going for 14 in a row tomorrow night up at the Max Stern Athletic Center, Yeshiva University in Washington Heights. The game starts at 8.30. Be there, folks. It's great family entertainment. It's a wonderful night out. It's totally free, and uh, it's pretty remarkable, the streak that they're on. So come on out and enjoy it. Yeshiva University men's basketball team tomorrow night up at the Max Stern Athletic Center going for 14 in a row. Unbelievable. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. AJA Carpool number 255 is wishing a mazel tov to Carpooler Atara, the entire second grade, on receiving their chumashim today. Mazel tov and Shabbat shalom to you guys. Oh, and um, Daniel says that the, the kiddish this week is fruit punch, gummy frogs, tiny dot sprinkles, animal crackers, Animal crackers with frosting and sprinkles that they look deceased. Candy buttons and donut holes, ideally jelly-filled for the fire inside. And the bonus is put the tiny sprinkles on dessert and get lice cream, as Daniel calls it. So, yes, a very, very partial-oriented kiddish coming up in Atlanta this Shabbos. By the way, one of our listeners on the app points something out that, um, that I'm sure Rabbi Heber would enjoy speaking about. Uh, this uh, emailer or this uh, commenter says, interesting point about m- this Mavarchim Achodesh. The Molot is Shabbos morning about 8 a.m. According to most opinions, that's the time in Israel. So for people to the West, the announcement should be the Molot was, not that the Molot will be. Consult your local rabbi about this, but perhaps more interesting, despite this Molot already having occurred, Rosh Chodesh won't be until Monday. Rabbi Heber spoke about this about the this year, all the delays that we're having between the Molot and the actual Rosh Chodesh. Uh, this happened because we just had three 30-day months in order to push off next Rosh Hashanah from Thursday until Shabbos. That's exactly what he had uh, explained. Thank you uh, to this wonderful listener uh, known as Maya Pell. Um, from Thursday until Shabbos, Molot Tishrei next year is Thursday afternoon. Shabbat Shalom and a slightly delayed Chodesh Tov. <laughs> or... or Slightly in advance, depending on how you look at it. Anyway, thank you very much for that. If you want to comment on the app, go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Don't forget, utilize this weekend to vote in the World Zionist elections. VoteOIC.org. We are on slate number four. Slate number four. VoteOIC.org. It is a worthwhile investment uh, to make sure to uh, vote. So I ask everybody. Um, voteoic.org, voteoic.org, and to make sure to um, vote for slate number four. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up in the next few minutes for the weekly update here at JM and the AM, and there is a lot to talk about, to say the least. So again, uh, Malcolm Honline, he will join us coming up. Um, weekly update just minutes away if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Tzor mi shalom, shalom achal nu. 
Well, that's Miami with Hatov. Aryeh Kunstler before that with Tormi Shalow off the NCSY Bencher app, which is amazing, by the way, if you're you're trying to help people uh, get familiar with Shabbos Miros. Quarter before 8 o'clock Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM and the AM. Malcolm Holmline in a moment as we do our weekly update, and I thank all of you for tuning in. A... Um, 
A reminder, if you want to check out uh, thousands of articles before Shabbos having to do with uh, Israel and the Jewish world, uh, check out uh, jewishworldview.com, jewishworldview.com, who are always enthusiastically recommending to their readers that people should tune in to us on a regular basis, and I thank them for that. Uh, They've got thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world. You can print them out before Shabbos and uh, spend plenty of time between now and Havdalah, or at any time, uh, reading them and uh, digesting all the information. Check out jewishworldview.com, and we thank them. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be back. I'm glad to see you're back. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Let's start with this. It may be uh, somewhat philosophical, but I always think when I turn to you for uh, words of philosophy, when it comes to certain events, uh, they're very worthwhile, and it gives tremendous content to parents and grandparents that they can transmit tonight at the Shabbos table or anytime they see their children and grandchildren. Uh, it gives them an opportunity to really transmit some important messages. You see what happened yesterday uh, in Jerusalem, World Holocaust Forum, and all the world leaders that are gathered, and plenty with some very fascinating things to say and some speeches that, frankly, were really inspiring. Um, and you think back, you know, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 years ago, uh, and how different the world is uh, for the Jewish community and those who care about Israel at this point. What were your thoughts thinking what our prior generations would have said about a gathering like yesterday in Jerusalem? I thought about it a great deal during the ceremony, and I have to admit I was a, a skeptic about it. I did not anticipate that it would be the tremendous gathering. Originally, they had thought that 10 or 12 leaders might attend, and as you saw, there were 49, um, many kings, presidents, um, excellencies of all kinds that came, and it was in a sense surreal. When you think about 75 years ago, these were all countries that remained silent or largely silent, uh, some of them collaborators with the Nazis, coming together, getting up in front of the world and declaring never again, declaring, as the president of Germany did, that they have not yet learned the lesson, um, to see the, the um, uh, at Auschwitz itself, Muhammad Ali said, the head of the World Muslim League and 25 Muslim leaders, um, praying and bending down at Auschwitz, the, the, um, uh, the statements made by, by the vice president of the United States and, and others, uh, Putin, uh, you know, they also dedicated a memorial to Russian soldiers earlier. Right. But uh, every speech at least had the content. Each had their own particular coloration to it. But it's, it, I think it's was, it was really quite remarkable and a reminder that, uh, you know, the information was available long before the liberation of Auschwitz, that the first camp was uh, Maidanic, and the, they, they refused to release the information on it, and, and in Stotthof in France, uh, that they didn't want, they feared the reaction of the families, they said, who, who were looking for lost ones. Mm. And it was, it was Ike at, at uh, Orndorf at Buchenwald who, who lifted the, uh, the censorship in April of 45. But the, the fact is that the um, uh, real story w- was not told. They tried to cover it. Even after 
the fact. I mean, if there's a deliberation, uh, the debates over why they didn't bomb the railroads and so many other things that linger till today. But I think the bottom line is that this was an incredible event. Think about the fact that they all gathered in Yerushalayim. Unbelievable. That it was an acknowledgement of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and the Jewish people. That they um, attended, many of them, Macron, others went to the Kotel, the first French leader, I think in 20 years, they said. I mean, there are a lot of side things. Prince Charles, the first official visit by a member of the royal family, he, he did, I sat next to him when he attended the Paris funeral and reminded him about his grandmother's grave, and, and he actually went as a result to see it then. But he went now, this time, an official visit. Many, Each one is a story unto itself, but I think one has to sit back and, and say that it was a really remarkable event, and there's another one coming up on the 27th in Auschwitz itself, where I think another dozen or 15 heads of state will be present. It's... Um, you know, of course, it raises many mixed feelings. Some of the people who who, who got up, but the um, but overall, I have to say that it was really an historic event. The um, and by the way, just I, I have to add to what you just said about uh, uh, the the controversy or the you know the uh, revelation that information was available way before it actually became uh, widespread and uh, widely available uh, to the world. Uh, anybody who pays really close attention to the news now. Uh, you know, today in 2020, uh, we have the same type of situation in in many parts of the world where where things are going on and people are being massacred and uh, and uh, and um, uh, completely threatened, and we don't hear much about it. It's one of the things you and I discuss almost on a weekly basis. Has so many important things that the whole world should know about and that the media should be covering is completely hidden or no one has any interest in it. So people shouldn't think that this is something of that era. And today, all and today in 2020, you know, everything's available because of the social media and the atmosphere that we're in. There's still plenty out there going on that's hidden from us, or that really just nobody cares about uh, to report about. Well, if one looks just at the news of the last couple of days, and you see the stories that came out about the uh, poll of, of uh, the French jury, where. I don't know, kids 18 to 35, young French Jews, 70% or more say they have experienced an anti-Semitic incident assault against them, uh, that the numbers are astounding when you look at the um, at the polls, at this study, this particular study, uh, that the, the number of incidents that average Jews of all ages uh, uh, experience. And we saw the release of a study that showed that uh, studying uh, syllabi at 40 public and private colleges and universities showed that uh, BDS-supporting teachers had an average of 78% of their course readings authored by BDS supporters. Wow. As opposed to 17% of those who are not. And, and um, you see that only two out of 35 syllabi of non-BDS-supporting instructors had a majority of their course readings by BDS supporters. And the the uh, as opposed to the uh, other group, which had overwhelming material. So we're educating a generation with lies, distortions, people uh, reinforcing their own findings, their own beliefs by this. And and at the same time, the PA uh, tells the um, the world that the uh, Western Wall, the Kotel, is belongs to Muslims and only to Muslims. And since the, and said there's nothing Jewish about it, and there was never anything 
Jewish. I mean, to engage in that kind of denial while the world leaders are standing there in, <laughs> in Jerusalem, uh, the the uh, see the statements by the Ayatollah about crushing America and and the threats, um, uh, and including by the the uh, um, the preacher at the Alaska Mosque. I don't know why he's allowed to do it, but he said we will soon establish the caliphate, liberate Jerusalem, and conquer Rome, which means the Christians as well. So I think that, that you know there are a lot of conflicting things happening that that uh, go against the uh, the tone of yesterday. Right. It should not mitigate the importance of yesterday, right. but the real test is how do they translate it? And the fact that Italy and um, another country, Italy and Sweden, have now come out and adopted the Holocaust definition, uh, which may not seem significant to people, but it does have specific references to defamation of Israel or denial of um, the Jewish connection in, in the definition. It's a working definition, not simply a statement that anti-Semitism is a bad thing. Right, understood. Uh, two more quick things about yesterday. You did mention there's a lot of little pieces to it, and, and, and there are, and i got to uh, emphasize a couple of them. I mean, the, you, you see the vice president, and I don't know, I don't know where the president found this guy, but the, but this vice president's amazing. <laughs> uh, I mean, he gets up and he and he and he teaches the world, uh, you know, Devarim Lamed Aleph, that there's a commitment from God that He will never leave us or forsake us. For our audience, I'll say Lo Yaprachav Lo Yazveka, and that He would lead this people to inherit the land that He swore to your ancestors that He would give them. And today, the vice president says. As we bear witness to the strength and the resilience and the faith of the Jewish people, so too we bear witness to God's faithfulness to the Jewish people. There are plenty of Jewish leaders, Malcolm, who would not deliver this message in a forum like that. Uh, or in any other forum. For yeah, matter, exactly. <laughs> but, but to me, what was also interesting was listening to the audience reaction to it. Uh, mixed, if you saw the camera speak, Interesting, uh, and the uh, the the leaders they didn't, necess- didn't applaud, but the people in the audience clearly did, and um, so some people appreciated the biblical reference of God's promise to the Jewish people, and others did not, uh, or, or didn't endorse it. Maybe. Right, interesting. And secondly, I mean, I'm sure you saw this. I mean, Rabbi Lau getting up and saying he is not authorized and never was authorized to forgive, and he certainly is not authorized to forget. And there were so many other amazing messages in his speech. I, I'm sure you found that uh, extremely, extremely emotional as well. Well, I've been with him in Auschwitz several times, and I, he, he did make that reference then as well. It's a very powerful uh, message. Yeah. And But but also the, the message was echoed in a way by the German president and others who said, because of what's happening today, we cannot forget. For no other reason, the memory of the people, yes, but also because of what, and they tied it directly to the rise of anti-Semitism in the, in the world. Maybe if people 75, 85 years ago would have spoken up about it, who knows, maybe the outcome might have been different. They would have had to act on it as well. But you, you have to put this into context to, to get the real impact, the full impact of, of what took place. Yesterday. Unbelievable. How different the world is now. It's just, a, and in the blink of an eye, in terms of how history works, just incredible. Um, all right. One of the things that happened yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday, was the uh, this meeting between uh, Vladimir Putin and the mother of Namar Issachar. Malcolm, could you break down this situation? I know she was arrested. I know there's a drug charge, et cetera. And obviously, it seems that 
the, all of Israel and the media is just completely focused on her case, reminiscent of the Gilad Shalit reaction, frankly, the way the, way the country is reacting to her uh, and, and desperate for her to be released from Russia. I, is she being held because of something that Putin expects in exchange, or is there something that's, you know, that, that, that's unfair about the sentence that's been handed down? Could you break this down for us? Well, it certainly seems to be unfair, and I think she's such a sympathetic figure and that her parents uh, really campaigned effectively, and um, it's uh, way disproportionate. They found a small amount of drugs that was in her suitcase. She wasn't staying in Russia. She was just at, at transferring planes and uh, was arrested. So the, you know, the logic of it is, escapes a lot of people why, why they would um, do that or a slap on the wrist or, you know, you hold her overnight and then release her. So the feeling is that they, that they wanted to trade for something or they wanted something for it. Uh, Putin himself has been approached by the prime minister many, many times on it. And we've approached the Russian officials on it. And um, they reaffirmed her sentence in the courts. Hmm. But Putin assured his mother that everything will work out. And now today they're saying that she didn't apply for... Um, Official pardon for I don't know if it's pardon or or the measure necessary to be released uh, or early release. So I don't know whether they're again playing games with this, whether there's um, some trade that they want and that could be done quietly. But obviously the prime minister has talked about it. The fact that the Putin met with the mother was a rather remarkable event. Yeah, the whole thing is so. so it doesn't. It, it all doesn't hang well easily. It doesn't come together as to the rationale, and especially when Russia and Israel have been on generally good relations. It's really hurt Russia's image in Israel. Uh, hopefully she'll, she'll get out, and I think she will in the, in the coming days. And if I asked you what could he want, meaning Putin, we have no idea, right? We have no clue what he might be asking for as a uh, as a bargaining chip for her or in exchange for her. I don't think anybody can figure out most of the things in advance. He's a very shrewd guy. <laughs> smart. He gets his way, by and large, with minimal capacity. He has a a limited economy, limited military, and yet he has created new facts in Crimea, Syria, elsewhere. He's... um, and he's taken really total control. We'll have to see what happens now with the, the new, supposedly his term is up and what the new arrangement will be. Right, and while, I mean, over the last couple of weeks since we last spoke, he I mean, there's been a complete disillusion of the Russian government at this point, right? Essentially. I mean, everyone's left. Well, everybody left, but he appointed some people. I mean, the government runs, but it's him. He's the government. Right. So So I don't know if they noticed that there's no one else there. I was just going to say, so all the resignations that I saw essentially were irrelevant. I mean, in terms of the Russian government, you know, operating. Mm -hmm. By the way, you didn't mention that the vice president, like Bibi, also singled out Iran. Right. For condemnation, specific right. condemnation, and we'll talk about it. But the but I thought that was also uh, an important statement to to draw the link and say that that this is not just something of the past. This hatred we see it being promulgated. You know that the, that Rouhani, the president, um, passed a law now that textbooks have to reflect U.S. crimes and conspiracies. Wow, says it all. Talk, yeah, that says it all, and talk about uh, talk about influencing and uh, uh, you know making sure to um, uh, to uh, feed young people uh, right. as much perpetuate the hatred. <laughs> exactly, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world. The web and Alchem Single.com and the Alchem Single Network, and of course 
on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do Iran and Lebanon coming up. I want to do the peace plan first. So it, it seems that there is a peace plan uh, that the President of the United States and his staff have finally, I guess, uh, you know, put together as a peace plan package. Um, uh, he, he has invited uh, the two major candidates, the current prime minister and his opponent, to be in Washington. This, If I'm saying it, if I'm giving any wrong information, Malcolm, correct me, I'm sure you will, but I believe it's this Tuesday they're invited to Washington for the, I guess, official unveiling of this, although it seems that there's been plenty of leaks and plenty of um, uh, spe- speculation and or facts uh, presented by the media already in terms of what's in this peace plan. What can you tell us about what the president is proposing? So uh, it is on Tuesday, and it was Netanyahu who suggested and urged that they invite Gantz, I guess, to depoliticize it, and especially coming, you know, a month before an election in Israel. They didn't want to make it look like this was a bid by Trump to, you know, bolster Bibi's uh, polls. So I think it was very clever to invite uh, Gantz along. Uh, On the one hand, I mean, I'm sure the political pundits will say it's risky because they you know, putting him on the national stage as well um, as an equivalent to the prime minister, right. which could bolster Gantz's, uh, the image. image. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, it, BB will still be the prime player, so it's, it sort of puts him in a junior position. It'll be interesting to see how, the, how it plays out, how it's manifested uh, during the visit. So the, uh, there was a lot of expectations that Jared Cash, Jared, um, Kushner was on his way to Israel, but because of from Davos in Switzerland, uh, but the um, the weather prevented the plane from taking off, so he went back to Washington. There was th- there were thoughts that he would or they would reveal it while uh, during the um, visit, uh, but I think that that was unlikely that it has to be done in Washington. Things have leaked, but nobody knows today whether all of this is true, that it gives Israel all of Jerusalem and settlements, that the, you know, the Palestinians have already rejected it without having seen it and still refuse to negotiate with this government, so that it might well lead to, and you know that the um, uh, Americans asked Israel not to annex uh, the Jordan Valley or anything else until after the peace plan comes out. Because it may be anticipating the Palestinian rejection, they will say, okay, you know, the green light is there for you to do what you want to do or some of the things that you want to do. The, the reports ranged from um, saying that the old city was included with some symbolic Palestinian representation, that, um, that the United States would uh, support annexing settlements if the Palestinians rejected it outright. And Palestinians only get statehood if Gaza is demilitarized, Hamas gives up its weapons, and they recognize, the Palestinians recognize Israel as a Jewish state with Jerusalem as the capital, something I doubt that any Palestinian leader would, would do. And uh, there's also talk of Israeli sovereignty in the, most of the West Bank settlements, I think all but about 15 in Yudin and Shamron would, be, um, uh, would be, be included, and they would be territorially contiguous. And again, you know, this is speculation. I want people to say that this is, that I'm telling you that this is what's in it. I've not read the document. Um, the Israeli security demands are supposedly addressed, it, and this Israel security control of the Jordan Valley, um, and no Palestinian role in the border controls. All of these are, if, if that was the deal, Israel, I think, would jump at it, 
it would be the best deal ever offered to them. Uh, but we'll have to see. And, and we don't know if they will actually reveal it. I think it's likely that he may do it even before oh, they um, get there. Netanyahu and Gantz get there. Hmm. But the um, you know members of Congress and others haven't been informed. So there's uh, there will be a lot of work to do. Um, but as Netanyahu's uh, indicated, you know we have uh, such a friendly government, people unprecedented in their outreach to Israel on many issues, and that it, they want to take advantage of it. What is the value of releasing a plan that you know the other side is not even is not even going to consider? Uh, you know, one one that's so heavily in favor of the Israeli position. Because it says to the world, uh, you see now who's the obstacle to peace, that they wouldn't even consider it, they won't sit down, we, we're ready to negotiate on the basis of this, That the uh, and then give a green light to Israel to take some steps, saying, look, you don't have a partner, you've got to do whatever you have to do to shore up your security, and to, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe firm up the borders or other uh, arrangements. Did you always know it was going in this direction? Did you did you fear like many of us did that you know he would use the opportunity like many presidents have to you know throw Israel under the bus and arrange for a deal or propose one that would be detrimental to Israel in the long run? I did not. Um, that wouldn't be consistent with the the record administration till now, uh, and I think a deal like that would meet a lot of objections in Congress and elsewhere. And you saw that, by the way, Nancy Pelosi led a delegation, a bipartisan delegation, to to the um, ceremony and went to Auschwitz first. Um, so I, I did not anticipate, and I didn't think with the crew that's there, Pompeo, um, Jared, um, uh, well, earlier Bolton, but the, the, the president and uh, Pence, um, I did not think that they would... Uh, concoct something that would be uh, detrimental to Israel. And bringing Gantz along, does that really depoliticize it, or is that just a, you know, Bibi is so smart when it comes to uh, uh, diplomacy and when it comes to the uh, visual, um, you know, at events like this, that if, if, if Gantz isn't there, okay, you know, I'll play it this way and it'll be to my advantage. If he is there, I'll play it this way and it'll be to my advantage. As you indicated before, he's going to look like a junior partner and this may be the best thing for Netanyahu, who has his bases covered, because hey, I we brought along the you know the chief opponent. But the, secondly, you know Trump's going to treat Bibi most likely as the as King Bibi compared to his opponent. Yeah, that's what I said before that he will be the more prominent party. It make puts Gantz in a junior position, but on the other hand, puts him on the in the center of the action in the world stage. No, but I think it's a more important message to the people back home that the that. BB is not exploiting it. It's not a, a political move, even though coming a month before the election, it's, everything is political. Um, and that by bringing, he diffuses it by bringing Gantz along. Ironically, uh, if I have this correct, uh, ironically, uh, BB's trial or hearing is going to be taking place at the same time that he's going to be in Washington. Right. Um, and this gives him, I guess, an opportunity to... Uh, um, to take that out of the headlines and make this the headlines in Israel. Although I don't, I don't know if the media is going to cooperate with that, frankly. <laughs> but but you'd have to think that his visit to Washington is going to be a bigger story than what's happening in the courtroom in Jerusalem. Uh, yes, and there are people who have speculated that it, it's meant to to deflect attention. But you know, it, it, it's not a decision he made alone. You need a, a president to go along with it. Um, I think Ron Dermer played a big role in 
in concocting this uh, over the you know uh, last period. Um, but you know we'll see. We don't have to wait long. Yeah, that's true. Just a few days. Uh, we have to we have to wait a little bit longer in terms of the election and who is going to win that race. Uh, anything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks in the machinations of forming the parties and alliances in Israel that has surprised you? Is there anything as we go into this you know heavier election season now, um, which is any different than you know what happened the second time around, election number two in Israel? There's nothing in Israel that surprises me anymore, and, and you can't anticipate anything happening. Um, I think that the uh, that the coalition of the left may do better than people think. Oh boy! Uh, and that the coalition of the right is not impressing people. That that is my sense, and um, uh, so there could be a shift there. But I don't know that any of that is decisive. I think the, everybody says the two parties remain more or less the same. Blue and white picked up some. Uh, but as you said, Netanyahu is a very um, clever uh, political operative, also, and um, you know you don't you never know with Israelis until they go into the polls because to the to the voting booth because the polls always are wrong. Right. Um, someone speculated. I saw an article that um, that one of the reasons Bibi insists that Gantz come along on this trip it gives him more of a chance in the long run to form a unity government. Do you agree with that? Yes. And the unity government might be the only way he stays as prime minister, based on what you just said, if in fact the left is stronger than we think they are. <laughs> that he could stay in even on an interim arrangement. Right. Uh, yes. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Iran and Lebanon. We'll start with Iran. Uh, we know what happened there in terms of the uh, action against um, uh, U.S. forces. They, they uh, When the United States uh, went ahead and took action, uh, the Iranians came out with statements as if uh, they were ready to retaliate to, to the point, uh, uh, you know, where they would, um, uh, where, where the U.S. would be at its mercy. Uh, they didn't exactly uh, respond in that manner, though. What could you tell us about that uh, altercation between the Iran and the United States? Well, for, uh, uh, first of all, the strike did wound about a dozen American soldiers. In initial, hello. Yeah. Yeah. The initial reports. You know, indicated that uh, you know that, that they hit empty buildings. Right. It's not so. Uh, and if you read the statements coming from Khamenei and Rouhani and others over the last uh, day or so, they are boasting about the effectiveness. And supposedly these missiles really were pretty accurate, like the ones that hit Saudi Arabia, um, the oil fields. They they um, they proved their accuracy, uh, although the. Uh, as you point out, the limited response indicates that Iran is not anxious to take on the United States, not capable of taking on the United States in an all-out uh, conflict. The United States is adding more and more sanctions, both to individuals and to the government. It's having a tremendous impact. Um, the resentment in Iraq against Iran is is continuing, and we see demonstrations, and there's still demonstrations going on, even though they don't get reported very much. Um and the, the the elimination of Soleimani was a huge blow to them, and and a blow. I, I, I spoke to people in South America. Um, it's a blow to the Hezbollah operations there because he he was central to all of this, uh, and and not really you know replaceable. They can name a successor, but it doesn't mean he really replaces uh, him. The um, so Iran did what it felt it had to do. Um, we've seen now the documentation that came out from 
stuff that was taken by Israel in the raid in Tehran, but just released. That shows that back in 2002, they already talk about the uh, building a nuclear weapon and their plans, and that it was underway then. The um, um, and they, they're boasting about crushing the U.S. at the uh-huh. base. Uh, it shows that they're trying to satisfy those in, inside the country who had demanded more, wanted to see them take a stronger stand or not to have the image of uh, an attack like this and doesn't get resp- uh, the response because Soleimani was uh, such a key figure and a cultural icon. Uh, but, you know, we're concerned because the Sunset Clause for the U.S. U.N. arms embargo in Iran is going to uh, it takes place in October, meaning that that it's over until unless renewed. That means the Russians, the Chinese, and others are all going to run in and and um, uh, try to sell them weapons, and that the um, that uh, that in 2023 the restrictions on the advanced centrifuges, the missile uh, restrictions, all go away as well. And, you know, remember when people adopted and they said, oh, it's eight years, it's, uh, you know, you have plenty of time, the administration, now others kept saying, and you see how fast, it's a blink of an eye yep. that you're now already facing the, the uh, end of, the, of some of these re- restrictions. So um, the, 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 the situation with Iran has not diminished in any way. They continue to, to um, uh, attack the Europeans or activating the dispute mechanism and saying they're going to pull out completely from JCPOA. The economic conditions in the country are terrible. Demonstrations against the government continue, and uh, and it's imperative that the Western government support them and that the Europeans finally come to the table and say, you know, that, that acknowledge that Iran has been in total violation of the agreement and that they impose sanctions as well. Uh, and in Lebanon, the protests that were going on there, I mean, it sounded like from the news reports that I saw that the protests were in response to the fact that there's no government now in Lebanon. But, uh, I mean, I was always under the impression that the terror groups had controlled the government even when it was in office in Lebanon. Is that not the case? Well, Hezbollah, uh, you know, today is an integral part of the government. Uh, one could say even more than that. And the president, uh, though a Christian, is under his uh, control and re- resignation of Hariri and the failure to, for so long to get a replacement and uh, and I think that a protest against the government are really protests against the continuing Hezbollah uh, presence, and there are obviously demonstrators who then come out in support of, of, of Hezbollah, who can turn them on and off, and who control a good part of the South, and, and the, uh, are a dominant, an increasingly dominant figure with a weak Lebanese government. So the... the um, uh, but the situation of unrest continues. It's it's clearly uh, very serious, and the uh, people, you know, it gets so little coverage uh, that when these demonstrations uh, turned violent, I think there were 400 people treated for physical injuries after the demonstrations in Beirut uh, this past weekend. So um, uh, people are saying, look, they're coming to the to to a period of of chaos. And no solution really on the horizon. They, they, I think the value of the Lebanese currency fell by half in just three or four months. And people are prevented from getting their savings, and employers stop paying salaries, and there's medicine is shortages in the hospitals uh, because of the situation there. Wow. Uh, Malcolm, when the IDF announced that they're constructing these underground uh, networks of sensors along the Lebanese uh, border, 
uh, to detect you know any type of tunnel building. Does that already exist down south? Is that something that Israel implemented a while ago, or is there a reason why it's more of, of um, a concern up north than than down south? Do they have those type of sensors along the Gaza border? They do, and they have, but they built also the fence which goes down and up and um, has sensors built in. I actually saw it. I was taken to see the. It's a, it's, the design is secret, but we were taken there. Uh, from the conference to see it, and it's so impressive. Uh, but remember, the topography is completely different. Here you're dealing mm-hmm. with sand and, and dirt on the Gaza border. There you're dealing with mountains and with um, a terrain that's totally different. So it's often hard to detect when they start uh, drilling. So now they're putting in sensors that can detect early on the drilling. As you know, the the tunnels that were were discovered were so sophisticated, you know, some were three stories high, you know, where they had to drill into the mountain, they built steps inside and going up uh, the inside of the mountain. So the question was raised all along, why, why don't you detect this early on? Well, how could they do all that heavy-duty drilling, <clears throat> you know, into a mountain and not have been detected? So this will give them an earlier warning system. There's always the fear that the... Um, that the Hezbollah and Iran and et cetera are, are, they want to build new tunnels. Israel has said this week that they don't think there are any new ones, but there were seven or eight that were closed and very sophisticated. If you remember, they poured cement into the tunnel and it came out way across the border into Lebanon. Right. I remember that. Um, finally, <laughs> When when I'm asked by more than one person during a typical week a specific question that they'd like me to ask you, I generally try to ask you because it represents that there are a lot of people curious about it. Uh, the question this week to wrap up, people want to know, are you paying little attention or a tremendous amount of attention to what's going on this week in the United States Senate? Honestly, I, I pay minimal attention to it. I have listened. I want to know basically what's going on, but I'm not interested in the three, four-hour presentations or two-hour presentations on either side. Um, I think this is, uh, you know, it, it's it's a very critical issue. It, can, it affects American society as a whole. Um, but I'm not a, a, a I'm not an impeachment groupie. I know there are people who sit in front of the TV all day watching this whole thing, and um, but that's not me. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> and I don't have time for it, and I, I certainly don't have the patience uh, to sit there. I don't know how – I see that the members of the Senate are also getting very impatient. They're passing notes. They're doing other things according to reports that have uh, emerged. So that when when we have all these critical issues going on that are obviously of, of great significance – and by the way, I don't know if you saw the story that Israel – through Natan is putting up new hospitals in Gaza, that 5,000 workers are coming from Gaza across, even though they're still doing some of the balloons. And Egypt has come down very um, hard on it, and Hamas had promised to end it, and they're holding them to account on it. But an interesting finding that in um, many of the areas along North Africa, from Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, the PA, Iraq, the appeal of the uh, Islamists, extreme Islamists, has dropped by about half, and also for religious leaders. And in Gaza, Hamas support has dropped from 45 to 24%. I think it's an important statement that we understand opportunities are to try 
and turn things around and not just say that this is inevitable, that these Islamists are going to win out. Right. Eventually, if people see that it's not in their interest, it doesn't mean that they're going to love Israel, love America, or anything else uh, by it, but they are saying, we see that these guys don't have the answer. They offer simplistic solutions, but they're not answers to the problems. Phenomenal. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Menachem, it was my pleasure, and have a great Shabbos. Menachem? What, what does that mean? <laughs> what did I, did I... Have a great Shabbos, and um, look forward to talking to you next week. You're going to have to explain that one before candlelighting time. <laughs> Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Yeah, it could be. I, it could be. I may have figured out why he said that. 22 minutes after 8 o'clock, it's a JMNAM Friday on this Arab Shabbos Parshas Vaira. Candlelighting time at 4.43 in New York. Well, Ben Shoshchodesh tomorrow, Shoshchodesh Shvat will be on Monday, uh, which means two Bishvats, two weeks from Monday. How do you like that? Um, so, yes, we Ben Shoshchodesh tomorrow. Uh, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader, um, emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vo'era. Parshas Vo'era is an especially exciting parsha. We have the first of the seven makos, plagues, that Hashem brings upon the Egyptians which is on the one hand, the purpose of the makos, of the plagues were punitive to punish Mitzrayim, but at the same time, the purpose of the makos was to be educational, to teach the Jewish people that Kiani Hashem, that there is a God, that there is a God Bekerev Oretz, that there is a God literally in the midst of the land and that they should realize as we shall see in a moment the very special relationship that Hashem has with the Jewish people. I'd like to focus this morning on the opening pasuk of the parsha. It begins by Daber Elokim El Moshe. God speaks to Moshe. Love, and he says to him, Ani Hashem. Now, you take note of the Pasuk that there are two different names of Hashem found in the Parsha. It begins with Elohim and it ends with Ani Hashem. And clearly, this begs our attention. And the idea first, let's take a peek at Rashi that Rashi tells us that there is a very powerful concept. According to Rashi, we are continuing Hashem's rebuke from uh, last week when Moshe complains to God and says, Why have you done bad? So Hashem basically says to Moshe, Ata sere, ata with an ayin. Now you will see. Now you will see the um, victory, what we will do to Mitzrayim. But you will not see, 
you're being punished. You will not go into the land of Israel and see what God will do to the seven nations, the 31 kings. Clearly, this was for Moshe, a lack of faith on his part. True, it looked the things, and true they were bad. In reality, the fact that they were not being supplied straw by the Egyptians made their life much more backbreaking and miserable because they had to produce the same quota and first gather the straw themselves. But Moshe, who was assured by God that there would be an exodus, Moshe should have had greater faith in God. So now, Vayedaber Elohim is basically saying that whereas the Avos, the Avos, did not see God complete his word to them, and they didn't question you, Moshe, should recognize that I, who am Elohim, the God of justice, I am also, or the God of nature, I am also Ani Hashem, the God of Rachamim, and, as we shall see in a moment, the God that supersedes and suspends nature. So we have, in the very first Pasuk, two different usages of God's name. The Ramban says that what is happening in the first verse is that we have a transition from what took place in the book of Bereshis to what took place in the book of Shmos. In the book of Bereshis, God performed many miracles, but all the miracles in the book of Bereshis were within the realm of the natural. They were in the realm of nature, Elohim. Avram Avinu goes to war against the four major world powers, and the Torah tells us he has 318 men. Now, clearly, they were outnumbered with a capital O. However, the victory was done within the natural way. They went to war. And Avram Avinu is 100 years old, and Sarah is 90, which is clearly a miracle. But it's within the natural that they do have a child. And so it is that when God uh, blesses Yitzchak, and uh, Yitzchak plants in, uh, who want, Yitzchak who wanted to leave the land of Israel, and Hashem says, no, you stay. And so even though there's a year of famine, Yitzchok plants, and he gets a hundredfold. Of course, that's a miracle. But again, it's within the natural, namely that it grows from the ground. All of a sudden, what's going to happen, starting in this week's parsha with the first of the ten, first seven of the ten plagues, and then the splitting of the Red Sea, we have what is known as Lumala Menateva. And this is how the Ramban understands by the Ber Elohim, God, the name of Elohim, which is God of nature, is saying to Moshe, Ani Hashem, I am the same God, and now you're going to see that there's going to be supernatural uh, activities, supernatural miracles that are going to happen to the Jewish people. So I want to now call your attention 
we have in this very first paragraph of Parshas Vo'era, you have the Dalid Lishonos of Gu'ula. The four expressions of redemption, Vo'otseisi, Vitsalti, Vigo'alti, Vilokakti, these are the four steps, stages, in the redemptive process to the Jewish people, for which the Yerushalmi tells us that we drink the four cups of wine and toast Hashem for his fulfillment of these four stages in our redemption. Take note, says the Malbim, a very powerful Malbim, and that is that within this paragraph, the term Ani Hashem, after the first usage of the term, and in fact, probably gives us four for the four stages, but the Malbim says, take note, that you find three major events of Jewish history, each of them accompanied by Ani Hashem. Namely, when right before Votsesi, beginning the four expressions, Ani Hashem. Why? Because the exodus from Egypt was accompanied by supernatural events. The second time that you have Ani Hashem is with Vilokachti Eschem Lila'am. I will take you to me as a people. And that took place at Sinai. At Sinai as well, we had the miraculous revelation that God literally spoke to not only a prophet, but he spoke to the entire Jewish nation. The entire Jewish nation experienced prophecy at that moment. And it wasn't simply prophecy. It was the prophecy of the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, because all the other prophets, as were taught in Parshas Baaloscha, experienced prophecy in their sleep through a vision. Here, the people were awake at the time. There's no question that this is miraculous. Therefore, it's accompanied in Pasuk 7 by its Ani Hashem, just as Hotsesi, which is in Pasuk 6, is accompanied by Ani Hashem. And finally, in Pasuk 8, so it's 6, 7, and 8, in Pasuk 8, you have Veivesi Eschem I'm going to bring you into the land, meaning coming into the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, and there too, Ani Hashem, you have God's name, because that too was done miraculously. Somehow, in West Point, they don't teach the soldiers that you encircle, you walk around a city once, and on the seventh day, you walk around it seven times, and again, make sure the seventh day is Shabbos, which is what it was by Yericho, and then the walls are going to come tumbling down, and then you're going to be victorious, and you're not going to lose a man. This was clearly miraculous. So, from the get-go of Parshas Vo'era, we are introduced to the new dimension of the Malamarateva, the concept of literally supernatural miracles. But I'd like to take this one step beyond, and that is the altar of Slobodka points out that these 
supernatural miracles were not only done to the Jewish people as a people, but they were done to each individual Jew at that time. Allow me to explain. Let's take the first plague of blood. If I had an, a Jewish young man and an Egyptian young man drinking water from the same cup, one from one straw, one from the other straw, and at that moment the plague of blood struck. The Egyptian, forgive me, spit out the blood from his mouth. And from that same cup of water, the Jewish individual is drinking water. It's not simply a miracle which is being done for the Jewish people, Bechlau in general, but it's a specific miracle that God literally <coughs> performed for each and every member of the Jewish people, that personalized miracle. That was true as far as the Exodus was concerned. Now we go to Sinai. The Yalkut Shimoni, the Midrash, teaches that at Sinai, it's not simply that they experienced revelation, but they experienced a personal revelation, meaning just as the mun, the manna which came down from heaven, which nourished them for 40 years, tasted differently for the elderly, tasted differently for the more mature, middle-aged, and tasted differently for the young, so too at Sinai, it was as if they had headphones and each person understood the Ten Commandments differently. So it was a personal revelation, not just a communal revelation for the people. And finally, when it came into Eretz Yisrael, it wasn't just, again, that the Jewish nation defeated their enemies, but the division of the land of Israel so that each one would be completely happy with their individual lot and piece of property in the land of Israel. There was a lottery which each tribe had uh, confirmed by the Urim Vitumim, the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, which substantiated that this tribe was to be here and this tribe was to be there and within the tribe itself. So they were able to see literally God's direction, personal direction, personal involvement in their life. What we have to take away from the Parsha of the Makos is that not just that God has a relationship with the Jewish people, but with each and every one of us. There's a personalized sunrise. It's not that the sun rises for everybody, and we say every morning, thank you. Thank you, God, for he who illuminates the land, and those that dwell upon it. No, each one of us receives a personal sunrise. Hashem causes the sun to rise for us. And if, unfortunately, we're not worthy of it, 
He has his ways of showing us that. And so therefore it is that each and every morning, the many brachos that we say, thank you Hashem for pokeach ivrim and giving us our eyesight and giving us our locomotion and giving us and giving us whatever he gives us, our intelligence. We should not take this for granted. So just as over 3,500 years ago, there was a personal relationship demonstrated by our Torah for each and every one of us, so too in this parsha, replete with HaKoras HaTov, we have to recognize the very personal relationship that Hashem has with each and every one of us. Wow. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. a Shabbat in Liverpool with Lenny Solomon and Schlock Rock and Shalom Aleichem here at J.M. in the A.M. Before that, you heard the um, uh, you heard the Micha Gammerman Shalom Aleichem here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Plenty of great programming coming up, even when J.M. in the A.M. comes to a conclusion or to its conclusion 15 minutes from now. A table for two with Naomi Nachman begins at 9 a.m. Eastern time with bartender and singer David Babinet. And overtime cook Miriam Pascal, author of More Real Life Kosher Cooking. They're both going to be guests on Table for Two with Naomi coming up between 9 and 10 this morning right here on NSN. At 10 o'clock, it's the Arab Shabbat Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That show designed specifically for um, Arab Shabbos Parshas Va'era. So that's coming up. The Arab Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by our friends at Kedem starts at... Uh, 1 p.m. right after the Harry Rothenberg video blog. Hey, speaking of Rothenberg, it's the Rothenberg Law Firm that presents Kosher Halftime Show 2020, which is happening during halftime of the Kansas City-San Francisco Super Bowl coming up a week from Sunday night. It is very exciting. 
A lot of great people, including Ashley Blaker, who was here yesterday, and Simcha Liner, who you're about to hear, and Mayor Kay. They're all part of Kosher Halftime Show 2020. So get ready, everybody. Rothenberg Law Firm presents it. We, uh, we, uh, we, um, what's the word? We make it live. We, uh, we, I get, yeah, we make it live. We, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> we present it. Uh, or uh, let it go live. We let it go live uh, starting at about 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's a great show with a lot of wonderful elements to it. 37 degrees, partly cloudy, a high 52. Rain tomorrow in the New York area for Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday, and candlelighting in New York for today is 4.43. Keep that in mind. Candlelighting in New York is 4.43. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami. Matis has JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday until 9 a.m. Monday, we're here on Rosh Chodesh morning to start the brand new week. Oh, and with everybody back from school and from vacation, etc., it's going to be a big week next week leading up to the Kosher Halftime Show. That is for sure. Speaking of sports, by the way, don't forget, tomorrow night, Yeshiva University men's basketball team, the Maccabees, Go for 14 straight. Tomorrow night, the Maccabees go for 14 straight. Uh, that's going to be happening uh, at 8.30 p.m. at the Max Stern Athletic Center up at Yeshiva University in Washington Heights. Come on out. It's great family entertainment. It's a wonderful way to spend the Saturday night with family and friends. It's all free. And the Yeshiva University men's basketball team, they are playing absolutely amazing basketball, to say the least, and representing the Jewish people really well on the basketball court. So check it out, everybody. Check it out um, and uh, and enjoy. So what is this? According to one of our listeners, when mentioning the month of Shvat, this Shabbos, it should be said with a kamatz and not a patach, Shvat. Shvat? It should be Rosh Chodesh Shvat? Hmm, interesting. i got to consult with Mayor Weingarten on that one. Uh, please keep in mind, Micha Chaim Ben Sara for Rufushlema. Micha Chaim Ben Sara. Hey, listener Peanut Pat says our grandson is in that second grade class at AJA down in Atlanta. Mazel Tov to Judah. All right. That's a good one. I like that. Thank you very much. Want to comment on the app? Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away and uh, enjoy. Sim Kaliner has promised he's next at JM in the AM.
Shirebo with his Adon alum here at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vaera. We're going to bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday. It is time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Oh, 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, on the web, and NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Oh, yes, and I thank you all for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. Naomi Nachman's next. Naomi Nachman is next. Table for two coming up. Uh, with uh, guests, bartender and singer David Babinet and overtime cook Miriam Pascal, both coming up next here at JM and the, I should say on the Nahum Signal Network. The Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, begins at 10 a.m. Make sure to stay with us all day long. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Signal with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler, starting at 9 p.m. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Monday morning, Rosh Chodesh, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Keep it here at the Nachum Single Network all day long. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.